ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. My name is Jay. I'm getting this episode out a little bit later than what I intended to, but uh, as so often is the case, life intrudes. I was watching a Ford Bronco commercial the other day. I'm sure everybody is aware that they're relaunching the Bronco. It has not been in production for several years. I'm not sure when the last the last model was, uh, but they went back to uh, the styling of like the 60s models. Uh, they're very coveted by off-road enthusiasts. You'll see a lot of really nice examples riding around. If you have got an original 60s Bronco and that first-generation body style, they are worth a fortune right now. And so Ford's trying to cash in on the nostalgia, and they're bringing back the name. But one of the things that they've done is, like a lot of four-wheel drives nowadays, there is a knob on the console, and you can adjust the four-wheel drive system to different terrains. Uh, If you're driving on sand or snow or rocks, mud... Uh, you just turn the knob to where you, what kind of terrain you're on, and the computer is supposed to optimize the traction for that particular terrain. If you watch that commercial, they're liking the Bronco to a goat. And the name for the four-wheel drive traction settings, and it actually says this on the knob, they show a quick glimpse of it on the commercial, is goat mode. And in this context, that stands for go over any terrain. Now, I understand that the word goat is kind of a buzzword in the sport sporting community right now. You know, Michael Jordan was the goat. Tom Brady is the goat. Tiger Woods is the goat, the greatest of all time. But I just I can't believe that you had a group of design engineers, marketing professionals, all these people have very high degrees in their field, and they actually put the word words goat modes on a big knob right in the center of this vehicle. And even beyond the people that made the decision to to float that idea, the higher ups that looked at that ridiculous phrase on their car and said, love it, make it happen. How do these people First of all, how do they get to the level that they got to? And how do they keep their jobs? Having a knob that says goat mode in your vehicle, it's not just stupid, it's embarrassing. I will say one thing, though. Uh, they did get the styling right of the car. It's very reminiscent of the 60s body style. And it's not a bad-looking vehicle. Um, I have said for years... That if Ford would produce a car that is, you know, it's got the modern engine, the modern electronics, computer systems, uh, modern brakes, modern suspension, everything cutting edge technology in the car, but style the body to where the outside of the car looks identical to a 1965 notchback Mustang, they wouldn't be able to make enough of that vehicle. Uh, Same thing with Chevrolet. If they would make a modern Camaro, but the body style is to a T, that of a 69 Super Sport, they wouldn't be able to make enough of them. And that is a multi-million dollar idea. 
And I would like to take a moment to say that particular multi-million dollar idea is the intellectual property of the Fresh Frozen Southerner podcast. If anyone from the GM or Ford Motor Companies would like to contact me so we could discuss the licensing rights to the aforementioned brilliant idea, they can reach me at freshfrozensouthener at gmail.com. Thank you very much. And a quick update on my saga from the DMV the other day. My daughter and I did go back to the DMV the following day. And armed with the correct and proper information, we managed to have everything that we were supposed to have. Uh, My daughter did pass her test, and she is now the proud owner of a Pennsylvania learner's permit. She's not a whole bunch excited about learning to drive, but the way I look at it is that's one step closer to her being an actual functioning adult. So good times there. All right, this weekend I... Took my two children to the mall here in town. Uh, My wife was not with us. She had a proposal that she was working on for a Monday meeting, so it was just me and the kids. One of the things we did, uh, my daughter likes Hot Topic, so we went into the Hot Topic. She is big into anime. She gets t-shirts and stickers and stuff. And that's really what Hot Topic is now. They do mostly anime Uh, rock band t-shirts, merchandise from popular movies and TV. Uh, If you remember, about 15 years ago, Hot Topic was big into uh, the goth culture. You'd see goth kids running around. Hot Topic was probably where they got their clothing. You don't see hardly any goth clothing in the Hot Topic anymore, and you don't see the goth kids walking around the malls anymore either. I was never into goth culture, but I did enjoy seeing the goth kids. And here's why. First of all, you rarely saw a single goth kid. It was always a group. It was always 10 or a dozen kids walking around. And I always loved seeing that because there was just something about a group of nonconformists all dressed in uniform that just always put a smile on my face. But uh, even taking the fact that you don't have walking herds of irony at the malls anymore. It's just depressing going into a mall and I pretty much any mall. I was five years old in 1980. <clears throat> so I came of age when the malls were really starting to take over the retail landscape. And for most of my life, the mall was a very important part of any community. Uh, that's where all the kids went to hang out. Everybody went Christmas shopping there. And even later in life, when my kids were like preschool age, it was really nice having somewhere when the weather was bad or cold and snowing, we could take the kids, get them out of the house. The mall had a little play area. They could play, burn off some energy. We'd walk around and we weren't really doing anything. But like I say, it was just nice to be able to get out of the house and, and let the kids run around. It was a it was good times. I enjoyed it. You walk into a mall now and even... In a decent-sized city, a busy mall, it's shocking how many of the storefronts are empty and up for rent. I understand uh, brick-and-mortar stores really can't compete with online shopping. You're not having to deal with rent on a storefront. You're not paying employees to be in that storefront 70 hours a week. You have a centralized warehouse. You're not paying to ship giant crates of heavy clothing all over the country and in a lot of cases when a customer makes a purchase they're actually covering the cost of shipping to the customer it's just a lot more efficient and streamlined way to run a business 
and I use them as well. I order all kinds of stuff. So does my wife. Um, but what I'll use it for is items, electronics, kitchen items. Uh, when I change the oil on my motorcycle, I order the correct oil weight and the filter for that. But I've never understood how people can purchase clothing online. And it's possible that I'm just kind of an oddball size, but I have a lot of trouble finding things that that fit properly, even just like T-shirts and jeans. And I like to be able to try the stuff on, see how it fits before I purchase it. Seems like the times that I've ordered clothing offline, online, a lot of the process is sending stuff back because it just it's just not exactly what I need. Because even the same size and the same manufacturer, a lot of times there's differences. And I'll give you a perfect example. I, I wear Skechers shoes, and I've got a pair of their slip-on. They look like athletic shoes, but they don't have laces. It's just elastic across the top. And I love them. They're comfortable. They're easy to get on and off. And I actually purchased a backup pair. The first pair I have, they're about halfway through their usable life. They're starting to look a little bit beat up. And I went ahead and I purchased a second pair to have. So when those get to the point they need trash, I don't have to run to the store. I purchased them about a year and a half apart. It's the same shoe by the same manufacturer. The first pair I have is a nine wide. But the second pair that I purchased about a year afterwards is an eight and a half. Now that's, again, that's, same manufacturer, same shoe style, but they've changed their sizes. And if I had just went in and grabbed a size nine off the shelf, I would have had to take them back because they would have been a little bit too loose. They're not comfortable to wear. So, you know, if you're one of those people that can order all kinds of clothes offline, you more power to you. I'm glad it works out. I don't get it. And it certainly doesn't work for me. Now that's kind of a, a little nitpicky thing. I, I understand that the convenience of online shopping, it really outweighs a lot of this stuff. <clears throat> you know, you're not driving your car, you're not fighting the crowd, you're not dealing with weather, traffic conditions, you're not getting stuck behind a wreck or in a wreck yourself. But as convenient as online shopping and the internet on a whole is, I have a lot of issues using the computer. Now, part of that is that I'm not great at it and I'm not doing things right. But a lot of the problem is, is a lot of this technology simply isn't where it needs to be yet. Um, I recently had an issue, uh, and it was big company that a lot of us use. I'm not going to say the website's name, but I was trying to get some customer service. I had an issue concerning different email addresses, and one was my one was my wife's, and information was getting screwed up between the two. Well, this particular company, you cannot talk to an actual person. They do have a telephone number. When you call, you get an automated system. And part of that automated message that you first listen to is it explains that because of an incredibly high demand, that customer service representatives will not be able to speak to you. So basically, you leave a mess that goes into an automated system, and then you're dealing with this automated system through your email. And I'm sure that for most standard problems, that's a very easy to use system. But where I had a bit of a nuanced issue and I was really needing to speak to somebody, 
the questions that you're allowed to ask that automated system are fall within a very narrow range. And the responses that that system can give you also fall within a very narrow range. So basically, after multiple attempts of trying to convince this system that I did not want to change my home address, that it was an issue with my email address that I was trying to talk to, it somehow finally kicked me over to where I was not talking with an actual person, but I was text chatting with an actual person. And I was able to get my issue resolved. He walked me through what I needed to do to straighten that issue out. But when I say it took multiple attempts, I was trying this for about three days. You would send a message in. You would not hear back immediately. It would be hours later. The first time when they got back to me, it was like three in the morning. I was in bed. And if you don't respond to it within a certain amount of time, it closes the conversation. You have to start all over. And I get why they're doing it. That automated system, it can be on the job 24-7, 365 days a year. It doesn't take a sick day. It doesn't take holidays. It is always there, always available, and always ready to help. The problem is, is that there's a lot of stuff that it can't help you with. And it's one thing to have that automated system as a sort of a frontline response to somebody's issues. But to set it up to where you don't have the option of speaking to a person, that wastes so much of your customer's time. I could tell you from experience, it will piss you off so bad it's not even funny. And it's really, at this point, it's creating a lot of ill will, particularly for me, toward this particular website. That just doesn't seem like a good business practice. You're pissing your customers off and you're wasting their time. I understand you're saving some payroll on employees, but it's in the long run, it's not good. And you know what? Ten years from now, I'm sure I can pick up my telephone and I can just talk to that system. And it'll not only understand the words that I'm saying, but it will be able to make a judgment call on the context that I'm using them. And it will be just like I'm talking to a real person. It will know what I'm saying. It will know what I need, and it'll be able to take care of it. We're not there right now. There's another website. Um, I was logging in. I wanted to check something. And this is a company that I do a little bit of, have a little bit of dealings with, uh, not a great deal. And when I went to the website, this was actually yesterday. I was thinking, well, I don't think I've actually created an account. I better do that first. So I go to the create an account. It asks you to put your email address in. Uh, When I put my email address in, it popped up. uh, This email is associated with an active account. Please log into your account. So I backed out and I went to the login screen. I typed in my email. And at that point, I'm assuming, well, obviously, I've created an account I forgot to write down my password and information, so so I just click on, uh, I forgot my password. Uh, about two seconds later, a message pops up, uh, we cannot find this email address in our system. Please create an account. So I go to the create an account, and I put my email address in, and it comes up saying that this email is associated with an active account. Please log into your account. How can it be both? 
does the system recognize my email or does it not recognize my email? Because one is telling me that this is attached to an account. The other is telling me that it has no record of that email. Well, if it has no record of that email, why can I not use it to create an account? If you do have a record of it, why can't it track down the account that it's attached to? This is just the kind of just the circular crap that you go through and like I say, it, 10 years from now, this is all going to be a distant memory. We'll laugh about what a pain in the ass it was to use these systems. But again, it we're not there right now. All you're doing is you're beating your head against the wall, and there's nobody you can even complain to anymore. They don't have anybody you can get on the phone. You have to deal with these systems. I take a very pragmatic approach to life. I don't let emotion get tied up in a lot of this stuff. I just want it to work. I don't think that's too much to ask. I just want this stuff to work. Now, see, if I was at the mall, there'd be a cashier I could scream at and make a scene. I just, I don't understand. These companies are getting complaints from these all the time, I'm sure. They see that it's not working. And they just leave it leave it hanging out there. That's what you have to deal with. All I ask is to give me the option of getting a human being on the phone while technology catches up with the idea of customer service. Because right now, the customers aren't getting any service. Now, that's just my two cents. I don't run a nationwide franchise of clothing stores. But again, it's good advice. If somebody out there happens to hear, maybe think about it. Just my two cents. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's about all I've got for you right now. Uh, if you'd like to send me a comment or some feedback, shoot me an email at freshfrozensoutherner at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, really, I would appreciate uh, the time and effort. Uh, give me a little constructive criticism. Um, I've said this before, but I'm learning on the fly. I'm trying to get better. Any advice you might have to offer would certainly be appreciated. All right. Uh, until then, I hope everybody has a good day. Uh, I thank you for sitting with me once again, and I will talk to you soon. Hey, stay warm out there, guys. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.